This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where certain things are fixed, the essentials of faith, and the best beer is served on tap, while everything else is just a matter of perspective. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Pints and Perspectives. Uh, we're still doing Kingdom of God, and I'm excited, I'm enjoying the conversations with my friend Ben. Thanks for being here, Ben. It's a pleasure to yep. come hang out with you. We are still, it's still quite early in the morning, so we're still only drinking coffee. I promise probably next episode, at least I will get a beer just because I know I'm driving some of you crazy by being off theme here. But for this episode this week, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God again, but more about there's, there's one kind of key moment, uh, specifically for Luke of that Jesus proclaims what the kingdom of God is. And we're going to talk about this moment and and how that plays out through the gospel of Luke in the actions and activity of Jesus. Yeah. When I think about the kingdom, it's uh, this is always comes back. And even though the word kingdom isn't there, it it plays out in what the nature of Jesus' ministry is. So I'm just happy to share this time with you as well, too. It's a good to have conversations and uh, share, uh, reconnect with friends, but then also, uh, connect over our love of scripture here and what Jesus is doing in the world. And so it's great. So, yeah, this is what this podcast is for. I, I love having guests on and, and bringing people and reconnecting and just getting different perspectives. You know, we call this pints and perspectives, uh, cause I think it's vital. I, my goal here as a pastor is not to indoctrinate people with my belief it's for them to become whole rounded and for me to see the work of the spirit in them in their life. And that means that it's probably going to look different than what mine is because I have a different worldview and outlook. Um, and so for me, I want a lot of different voices. I want to, I want our people to hear what the spirit of God is doing in a lot of different people's lives. And so I love having different people on to get different perspectives. Yeah, that's a good word. That's uh, so I'm uh, lean in the charismatic direction as I, I tell people I'm a one handed charismatic. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't, uh, raise both hands at the same time, just one. But uh, <laughs> you're a, a charismatic with your seatbelt on. Yeah, that's what uh, Randy Hatchett, my yeah. uh, colleague, calls us. Uh, but you know, so once you know, sometimes those that have that more charismatic perspective, they limit the idea of where the kingdom is at or where the spirit is at work, according to some of the miraculous um, spiritual gifts. And I think. The whole idea here of this perspective side uh, mode that you have of the podcast is that if, if we go back to that basic premise that I get out of Matthew 12, that wherever the spirit is at, that's where the kingdom is. Yeah. And so uh, you don't have to be charismatic to experience the fruit of the spirit. Right. And so that's where the kingdom is at. And so whether you're Presbyterian or Methodist or have no denomination at all, wherever the spirit's working we can see the kingdom at work there. And so it's not just these charismatic traditions that um, embody that. Now I I am going to, you know, pull out the charismatic card here as well and say that I think the church has ignored some of these things because they don't kind of fit our expectations. And yet God is wanting to do uh, some, you know, bring this power, this transformation, this restoration, you know, shalom, human flourishing is the big term that we describe this today. And um, I see this is what God's intention for humanity was in the first place is what we'd call human flourishing, peace and um, wholeness. 
And so the whole idea of that sin has come into the world and, and is challenging uh, what God's intention is for creation. And so his whole work throughout the covenants of the Old Testament and the climax of these covenants here in Jesus' ministry is to bring that restoration. So it's not just a piece or just the interior part of us, but it's holistic. Yeah, I've said on other podcasts here that um, God performs restoration supernaturally because super because restoration is a supernatural act. It is something that is miraculous. Um, and it is this idea that the, the spirit is the restoring work. It is this constant idea of restoration from God being in us, restoring us. And, and that affects every level of our being, right? Mm. This, this idea of wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. And it, if to have a, a good uh, biblical view, I would say of humanity and just life in general needs that, that holistic perspective. And yeah. uh, I stole it off of someone before, and I don't know where I got it uh, at the time, uh, but, Randy Hatchett and I have this book engaging theology where we really try to spell this out in the sense that to, as a lens on doing all biblical theology, there's an individual component. So us and God, there's a communal component of people living in community family relationships, but then larger um, religious and political communities there, but then also in relation to the land or the place that we're at. Yeah. And so if you walk through the Old Testament with the Garden of Eden, they have this blessing from God. They're made in the image of God, but then they also have this identity of male and female together that they form that community. And then also they're given that dominion to rule the land. And so that three-part structure then progresses throughout the rest of the New Te- or Old Testament, and I would say the New Testament as well. Yeah. And so when we get to Jesus' ministry, sometimes when we think about the kingdom of God, we limit it to a very individualistic. It's just about restoring the problem of sin within me. Yeah. And yet the whole story of the Bible is this holistic restoration of individuals and our relationship with God is restored. Of course, that's at the heart of it. But at the same time, it makes no sense if those communities are not restored that we're a part of. So there are families our church communities, but then also our relationship with the land, the place, our embodied reality of people living in this world. And so as the climax of these covenants, then Jesus's kingdom ministry brings that holistic restoration. Yeah, I think that's that's true. Um, I make this argument quite often, and I upset people when I do it, but I think most Christians today are functional Marcionites. Um, and so if you don't know, uh, Marcion or Marcius, uh, I can't remember exactly what his name is. Yeah, Marcion. Marcion. He was a guy um, in the patristic world that thought that the old Testament was just not needed anymore. And all we needed was the new Testament and he was deemed a heretic. So like you need, Jesus is the fulfillment of the old Testament. Um, and we're still awaiting the culmination of the story, but he's the fulfillment of the old Testament. So you can't understand the new Testament without the old. And I think that's so true when we see Jesus in this idea of the kingdom, it's a continuation 
of what we've seen God enacting through the people of God in the nation of Israel. Mm. It is this idea that there's a people of God who've been called out to be and act like the people of God in the land that God has given them. Yeah, no, and that's, so it, again, it makes me think of, uh, when we have that book again, Hatchet and I engaging theology, I have gone to describing it, uh, the Bible project meets systematic theology because <laughs> what's at the heart of that book is that the grand story, there's one unified story of the Bible yeah. that doesn't just drive, you know, um, their great exposition of the Bible, but it's also into systematic theology. So when we talk about soteriology or ecclesiology, uh, eschatology, these, uh, you know, different approaches, they all link to that one story, that one narrative that combines the Old and the New Testament. And in fact, that's the whole thing here in Luke 4 that really is important to me is because when Jesus comes to describe what his ministry is, he doesn't just make up language. He reads the text of Isaiah, right? There's this hope and expectation that God would send a Messiah in the power of the Spirit and as we've talked about the kingdom before. And so the kingdom of God is not something new. It's actually what the thrust of Isaiah, you know, 40 to 65 is all about is that the, the suffering servant would come in the power of the spirit. And so in Luke four, verse 18, we have the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so that's from Isaiah 61. And so when Jesus is explaining, setting out what's the nature of his kingdom ministry, it's this whole idea of that he is anointed. Of course, the word Messiah means anointed. And so he's not just anointed with oil in the sense of a normal king. He's anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so but what is the spirit leading him to do is to bring restoration, proclaim that good news that we talked about before, right? The good news of the kingdom to the poor. And so who are the poor? Uh, it's anybody that is experiencing the brokenness of sin. And so yeah. it plays out in all different ways. It's prisoners, blind people, the oppressed, anybody that needs restoration. And so it's not just an individual me and sin, it's social, it's economic, it's holistic in all its ways. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, Luke is known as being, um, the one who formulates the idea of the gospel for the outcast or the outsiders. Hmm. Um, in Luke, he does a really good job of showing that the gospel is for the people that you wouldn't think it's for. Um, so think good Samaritan, right? Mm. It's the person that I actually hate as a Jew, a Samaritan is the person I hate. And yet it's the person that embodies what the kingdom of God reality is in a neighbor. Mm. Um, and we even see here, I, if you want go back and listen to a closer look from a few weeks ago when I preached this text and we, we look deeper at this, but they end up running him out of town because the message here is that the gospel is for the Gentiles. It's for people outside of just the people of Israel. The gospel is now for the outcast. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it is for anyone who needs restoration. Yeah. It's the prisoners are not the good people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they're not the church people. No, right? they're not. They're the uh, people that you're looking at when they walk in and going, Oh really? You want to serve in children's ministry? Yeah. yeah like yeah. you're, they are not the person that you would think in the way of, they're not the model Christian as we would think yeah, about it. Yeah. Uh, the person who's, you know, just squeaky clean, never done anything wrong, you know, never lived life in that way and experienced sin and darkness in very real ways. Um, and the same way with the poor, I don't think Jesus is, I don't think Jesus is oblivious to what he's done here. The poor in the ancient world are dirty, nasty, smelly. Uh, walked by, largely ignored, uh, very similar to how we would view poor and homeless people now. I mean, we walk past them every day. I mean, these are not the people that you're just dying to come to your church. Uh, in, in the American culture, these are the people that truly, truly, truly are in need of restoration. Yeah, and I think that's the where we come around to where this plays out today. It makes me think. So if we have Luke chapter 4 here, Jesus setting this out, here's his programmatic, his I have a dream speech maybe. Yeah. Does that really set the terms of what his ministry is going to be about? And so as we just take a quick step through here the rest of Luke, if we go to chapter 7, and verse 18 and following has this interchange with John's disciples, John the Baptist, right? So John the Baptist had proclaimed, Hey, the, the guy that's going to come fix things, the Messiah is going to, is coming right after me. And so of course, John doesn't seem to experience that he gets put in jail, right? Eventually gets put to put to death. And so things don't look like he expected them to be. And so he asks, he sends his disciples say, Hey, are you really the one who we thought you know, we should have expected. And it says that Jesus cured people and uh, did other kind of miraculous things there, performed signs and wonders. And it says that go back, he tells his uh, disciples, John's disciples, go back and tell him what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Mm. And so he's saying, look, I told you what my ministry is going to be about this. I'm the Messiah, right? I'm the one who's anointed by the spirit to do these things and I'm doing them. Right. And so yeah. it may not be, um, the prosperity gospel that John might've been looking for. Right. I right. mean, but it is like real transformation that happens even in the midst of brokenness. And so the whole idea here is that, um, Christ is the one who's doing these things, right? These messianic things. And, one of the things that goes into this though is like, well, maybe that's just for Jesus, right? In that sense. And so uh the whole focus of the gospels is that the disciples are being drawn into this story as well. And so we go to chapter eight, right? Again, it just summarizing Jesus' ministry. He traveled around from one town or village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Right. So again, that's what Jesus is doing. He's, he's preaching the kingdom. Uh, his message is the kingdom and his ministry is embodying the kingdom. 
And so when we get to chapter nine, right at the beginning of chapter nine of Luke, it says that he called his 12 disciples together and he says, he gave them the power and authority to drive out demons, to cure diseases. And he sent them out to do what he was doing, proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And so they go out and do that. And verse six says they set out from the village. What are they doing? They're proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And so the whole idea is you can't, we, you can't be a gospel Christian and ignore the transformative work of the spirit to bring real transformation to people individually, physically, uh, communally, and then also and restore their place to the land. So, but we might say, gosh, the apostles, they're super Christians, right? I yeah. Mean, they're the cool kids like Colin, the pastors, you know, yeah. they're the religious people. And yet what we see in chapter 10 is that Jesus sends out the regular people, right? Yeah. The 72, the, the folks that are just like, these are the home group leaders. These are the nursery workers. And what does he send them out to do in verse eight of chapter 10? He sends out these uh, 72 and he says, uh, when you enter a town or welcome, you know, eat whatever's offered to you, but heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. Right. And so the whole idea is like the kingdom is tied. The message of the kingdom of Jesus as the king and our obedience to him is tied to this idea that God brings healing and transformation there. And so that's the whole idea is that they come back and say, Hey, we were able to do these things. And, uh, and so the kingdom is not just for the, you know, the spiritual elite, yeah. right? The, the Navy seals it's for everybody. Yeah. And that we should be on the daily praying for people, uh, to find inner healing, praying for people to have physical healing, praying for communities to be healed, right? I mean, we, uh, you know, in uh, this divisive time between the encampment between Republicans and Democrats, um, you know, the, the church is the place where that division is healed. And so that we come in, whether it's a racial division, all that is all part of the healing that comes through the work of the Spirit. Yeah, so we just did a four-part series on Let's Talk about this issue, and our basic premise is uh, that you shouldn't be a Republican or a Democrat who's a Christian. You should be a Christian who has Republican or Democratic leanings. Your worldview, your position should be kingdom of God first, not your political party affiliation. And with that, what for for me in this is in in churches we often hear people say oh well i don't have the gift of evangelism right i haven't been gifted in that way that or another one that's not my calling mm-hmm. um when actually if you have the spirit in you it is your calling to live out the kingdom of god which is in the words of jesus as he sends people out to teach them and preach to them healing and that the kingdom of God has come near. Yeah. It is this idea. And I think we can get caught up in this, that healing is somehow, you know, miraculous healing of, of the blind now see, but I don't, I don't want to negate that. Cause I do think I'm not a cessationist. I don't think that miraculous healing is gone. Um, but I also don't want to over spiritualize it that, 
the blind now seeing is only some kind of spiritual reference. It's just now seeing the presence of God in the world or like the scales have been removed from your eyes. Yeah. For me, healing, um, healing is miraculous in any kind of way, even through the use of medicine or, or whatever. The fact that God is at work in healing and restoring people from any number of things, mental illness, uh, physical ailments, addictions. You know, you talked previously about restored marriages and, and relationships with children and homes. Um, any kind of healing and restoration and reconciliation at that level is miraculous because it is a supernatural act of God. Yeah, the natural yeah. place of sin and evil is destruction. Yep. So in restoration, yeah. it is supernatural. Yeah, anywhere death is at, that's where the kingdom of Satan is at play. And so while we might not always name it as demonic in our minds, like that's the whole idea is that the power of life is invading these places where death is at. So whether it's relational death, right? yeah. divorce, uh, arguments, um, unforgiveness, bitterness, I mean, that needs the work of the Spirit to be there. But maybe it's social Right. And we have the part of the, the false gospel of political parties is that you can bring restoration and wholeness without the spirit of God. Yeah. And so the whole idea is like, yeah, I believe that there needs to be steps towards social justice and that these are through um, social means. But at the same time, we're never going to really achieve racial reconciliation without the spirit to bring yeah. that. Uh, but at the same time, on the other side of the political spectrum is that we, you know, there's this drive towards, at least historically, towards um, personal responsibility and, and, and values as and character. And yet you can't legislate that. Right. Right. You can't use political means to achieve that. It's through the spirit of God that the kingdom of God is brought and brings that transformation. And and, and when it comes to healing, I, I want to say like one of the major forms of healing that we need to pursue and help other people pursue is not just physical healing, but I, I think it's inner healing in that sense of like people have faced uh, all sorts of traumas, uh, whether it's sexual abuse or uh, physical abuse or poverty in general. Yeah. I mean, there are all these things. And so um, this idea of helping people find forgiveness for themselves, helping them to be able to return to the memories of these, uh, you know, horrific traumatic experiences and see God's grace coming in and bringing into that. There's, there's a book that uh, one of my pastors has put me on to called Freedom Tools, and it's about inner he healing for uh, and you know intensive prayer for people that have accepted um, false you know identity and false lies about these experiences that happened, and particularly about what God's uh, position is into those things, and so um, helping people find true release from those things that have held them captive. And so it's not just, you know, I think these social realities, we don't need to ignore them in any way. Um, but oftentimes it's the inner prison of our anxieties and thoughts that are, uh, keeping people back, you know, and of course these express themselves through addictions and other unhealthy ways that they relate to other people. But so often it's just because they've been scarred so deeply and they need the, you know, the work of the spirit and they need other people to come and pray for them. Right. It's not just something that you think better and it just happens. It's uh, you as a part of a community 
finding that restoration. Yeah, I think that's a really good word. And we've seen this play out in history, right? I mean, the church got really involved in the prohibition movement, trying to shut down alcoholism. But then after we did it, we just realized that even if you took alcohol away, they replaced it with some other form of addiction because the alcoholism is not the problem. It's the symptom. Mm, There's still some deep pain and destruction that is in need of healing. And, you know, there's a stigma around mental health that uh, limits people. You know, statistically, 25%, this was pre-COVID statistics, 25% of people in America will struggle with some kind of depression this year, uh, much higher now uh, because of COVID and the pandemic and things. And if, if you don't hear anything I say, I think it's okay to have a therapist and have Jesus. Yeah. Like I don't I don't think those things are mutually exclusive and I don't think Jesus is upset in us pursuing holistic healing. Um when you cut your hand open, Jesus is not upset that you go to the hospital or <laughs> to the doctor to get it sewed up. So in the same way, when your mind is struggling when your thoughts are struggling. Yeah, Jesus yeah. is not upset when you go seek healing. Yep. Um, I, I don't want to minimize anything, but um, people are made in the image and likeness of God. And so the developments of humans in modern medicine, we should treat those as gifts from God. Uh, society is better because of medicine and um, the healthcare that we've received and the developments we've seen in that world, uh, we no longer have to live in fear of blood, right? In the ancient world, uh, if you had an open wound or if you so think the woman that's hemorrhaging blood or ladies, if you were menstruating, like, like all of these things, bring fear for people because of disease. They don't have modern medicine to help them with these things. And so what's their, what's their idea of how to fix this? Go outside the city, like go somewhere away from people, uh, until you solve this issue with yourself. That could you imagine the trauma that that creates for a a woman having to go be isolated or or experience this in, in, uh, in solitude monthly, uh, Trauma is even throughout the ancient world. I know a friend of mine named John Garland, who's a pastor in San Antonio, argues that maybe the most traumatized figure in the Bible is David because we get his Psalms. And it's just this pendulum swing back and forth between all the levels of trauma. Um, everyone experiences trauma, and Jesus is in the business of holistic healing. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, I think, in an, another session talk about the nature of suffering, that it, it's not this Pollyanna vision of, of uh, the Christian life that comes out of the kingdom of God. Uh, but, the, but as we come to that later, I don't want to discount the reality of true transformation that is yeah. here and now. The kingdom is not for later, right? Yeah. That's the whole idea here of Jesus is the kingdom of God has come near. <laughs> yeah. And this is what it looks like, these pockets of heaven. And so, um, and it's that willingness to look for that in the here and now in the yeah. daily aspects of life. And so I uh, got sick, I guess it was about three years ago. Um, it, I had, 
a condition where I had excess fluid in, uh, on my brain. And so it was creating, um, pressure on my eye, uh, optic nerves. And so I couldn't drive cause I had really bad double vision and various other, uh, conditions related to that. And early on, um, it's something that doesn't hit men very often, only about 10% of the people that have this issue are male. And so it took them about five or six months to diagnose me. And at any rate, I was, uh, my wife took me on a, excursion out of the house because I'd kind of been uh, stuck in the house for a month or two and was at a coffee shop and I bumped into one of my pastors and he was associate pastor and it was uh, still early enough to kind of news about me being sick and not kind of gotten around to the church as much and um, we're sitting there in a Minuti's here in Sugarland, Texas and he's like man I didn't know this was going on can I pray for you and this was a kingdom prayer right we're sitting there in in a minutes. And so he's like, uh, with my wife and I, and he's like, well, let's pray right here, you know? And that's the whole idea is this expectation that God is at work here and now. Now yeah. I, I wasn't healed at that moment. Um, but at the same time, not all healing is, uh, physical, right? I mean, in that sense of like that God's presence yeah. was with me, even in the midst of that sickness. Um, other times I've been, I've been prayed for and been healed immediately of things. Other things have been healed partially. I've been there when other people have had uh, other issues. And so it's the whole idea is that we, we don't know in the wisdom of God's um, uh, providence when he chooses to heal. But the, I think the whole idea here is that we should always be praying and, yeah. and not waiting for the big moment when we think, okay, something's going to happen. It's like, no, you always stop and pray in the every now every day. And so that we can always pray those kingdom prayers. And, um, you know, it's just, and even for me, it's like, I ha- I've had this theology when I was sick yeah. right at that time, I'd already come to kind of this reading and understanding of the text that it's here and here and now. And yet even then it was like when my pastor said that I was like oh yeah yeah, let, yeah we, should do that. we should do that right now yeah <laughs> because the whole idea is like I still live as if the world is a mechanistic you know everything has uh either you know some kind of bacterial or virus and that's that's what causes everything to happen is we can name some scientific cause and effect and yeah maybe uh sin and the satanic kind of work has in caused or helped driven things to where we can name a scientific cause and effect. That doesn't mean that they're separated from these spiritual realities that adhere to them. And so even though I had this theology, I, I still had to remind myself and stop all the time and think, no, we live in an enchanted world to where yeah. uh, God is active and these other forces are active. And so um, just as much as I need to, uh, you know, as I tell other people to, to live this reality out, it's I some I always have to convert myself back to <laughs> this yeah. idea constantly. Well, that, that's so good because at Wellhouse we we have a uh, a kind of practice that uh, you know I've grown up in church for a long time and I I hate the oh well I'll pray for you yeah I've been on the the giving end of that enough times to know that I'm actually not going to do a good job <laughs> of doing that. And so at Wellhouse, we, we have a practice. Um, if there's something that arises where we have the inclination to do that, um, we pray right then. Yeah. We stop right then and pray 
because I do think that's a really good word. You know, maybe the expectation is not limited to the physical healing. It's not to say that God can't act in that way and doesn't act in that way. He absolutely does. But like you said, in that moment, there was there was inner healing that's beyond physical when your pastor prayed for you. Yeah. Um, that that healing, we shouldn't think so dualistically about healing. We should think holistically about healing, that it's a whole person in need of healing. And they have they maybe have a physical ailment that manifests itself in a certain way, but that touches other areas of the whole being that are also in need of healing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's uh it's real. I've seen it and I encourage all to participate in that practice, you know, and and just because God doesn't heal, I think this whole thing of like, when you were talking about going to the doctor, we don't think we're sinning by going to the doctor, right? Because if we thought God didn't want us to be whole, then it would be a sin to go against that, right? Choosing means. So, um, we know that God's desire is, his intention for humanity is wholeness in mm-hmm. body, soul, spirit, relational, all these areas. And so we don't have to pray and wonder, does, is God's intention for this person to, you know, experience healing now? Uh, so we don't have to convince God of that. Uh, now there are other factors of God's providence and of these things of who he chooses to heal. And even, you know, Jesus says that, uh, he didn't do miracles in certain places because they didn't have faith. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's not all tied to faith, uh, for sure, because surely God and obedience and holiness. Right. But there is a sense that if you, uh, don't anticipate God doing anything, then God often doesn't do anything, you know? And yeah. so in that sense of, it's not how great your faith is, the ability that even asking in the first place, right? I mean, it's the faith of my pastor to stop and pray at that moment. That, that was a huge act of faith, right? Uh, and that sense of, um, and so I think that's why in non-charismatic denominations, it's not that God's not still doing some of these signs and wonders. You just don't see them as prevalent because I don't think the, the actions of faith to step out and, and seek God's movement in that way. Again, I think there are other signs and wonders. Again, that we talk about the fruit of the spirit. So love, yeah. joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and you know, all the, the fruit there. Well, those are just as much acts of the kingdom, right? And so uh, it's not just these miraculous signs and wonders that are signs of the kingdom, but at the same time, I don't want to make it either or. It's both and. It's the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, you know. And so we're seeking both um, in ways that don't set un, uh, expectations that God will always do what we ask in that way, um, but then also but not giving up the practice of asking because it may not happen, you know, one out of ten times, you know, or something like that.